No, no, we can just leave him a voice, man. Hey, this is Aiden. Sorry, I missed your call. I'll get back to you when I'm free. Thanks. <clears throat> At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Hey, Aiden, this is Steven and Noah. You're live on the squawk right now. You didn't pick up, but that's not a big deal. We just wanted to wish you a happy birthday, um, and uh, we hope to have you on someday. Yeah. Our first and most loyal listener, Aiden Sauls. We just want to give you a shout out here yeah. on the show. Pick up next time so you can be a special guest. We'll put you in the title. Or you can call in. And uh, you know, if you don't even listen anymore, that's fine too. We still love you. Bye. <laughs> Happy birthday. We just had to celebrate the birthday of the first, the show's first official bit. Uh, sorry, Aiden, to refer to you as a bit, but. <laughs> no, he's a great bit. We love he's a, Aiden. He's a great bit. Um, and here we are. Back another week, me yeah. and Steven solo this week. With this episode still dedicated to Aiden's birthday, though. This oh, is always dedicated always to Aiden's dedicated birthday. Dedicated to Aiden. Yeah. So we have some cool stuff to talk about. Uh, local news, TDG. Um, we have a lot of stuff coming up in the fall. So we tried to kind of do a fall preview last week, and mm-hmm. I think we got derailed from our own yeah. deliriousness. Yeah. Everyone, please. You know, we're proud of last week's episode, but we will acknowledge publicly that it was maybe not our strongest episode. For for uh, context, I had drinking an entire tall uh, iced coffee, black from Starbucks, like minutes before, and it was really hot, so I drank the whole thing. So I was like shaking, frothing at the mouth while we were recording and... and Saying you know, a lot of weird things. Yeah, so everyone, you know, that was just a bottle episode. You know, we don't know what happened <laughs> That there. was our fly right. you know, in Breaking Bad right. terms. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So That's... thank you to Amelia for bearing with us while <laughs> yeah. we were absolutely out of our minds. Yeah. Because uh, that was definitely the strangest energy we've ever had in here, I think. Yeah, I don't know what was going on that day, <laughs> but, you know, we hope to be better now. We have a pretty uh, solid lineup for you guys today. But, yeah, there, there's a lot going on, you know, this fall. Um, I'm really excited for a lot of things. Um, the, the Greek Fest was great. Um, Noah and I were talking about this a little bit before, but I, I'm Greek, as as the true fans know. Um, so I would I spent my, you know, I, it was usually on Mother's Day in Charleston. You know, every Mother's Day we would go to the Greek Fest. As a child, I might have done the little dances they do. I don't remember. Um, you know, it was a really really great community that I to grow up in, even though I wasn't really a big part of it, but. You know, I miss the food. It's great food, great people in Charleston, and I felt a lot of that here in, in Columbia. Yeah, um, so on, what was this, last last Thursday, um, it began, it was at the Holy Trinity Greek Orthodox Church here in Columbia. Um, they're having a Greek fest right now, so they're fundraising for their church and for their charity. Um, and I also love Greek food. I did, like, a little excursion in high school. Um, we had these, like, weekend trips that we had to do every once in a while for this, like, our experiential learning credit, I think is what they called it. And there was a Greek Orthodox church in my hometown, so we went there and made Greek food. I think we made a Spanakopita. Yeah, that's love that. That's what it was called. That's one um, of my favorites. And it was really good. It's so. like a spinach pie. 
delicious. Yeah. And then we also made like a dessert that was like like thin and wafery, but like very like baklava. Baklava, yeah. That like, was yeah. incredible. Those are like the two most awesome. like that's the hot dog and hamburger of of Greek of food. like American Greek food. But okay. it's good, you know, understandably good. So they're playing the hits for the yeah. visitors. That well week. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's I mean that's basically the Greek fest is all hits. You know, the Euro you know, I was gonna tweet out like I was gonna quote tweet one of the um like Greek festival stories and say like you know, do you pronounce it gyro or gyro? But like on Twitter, <laughs> it would just be the same word. But I, I, I uh, didn't suffer people through my my bad jokes. But, no, um, make them suffer. That's what Twitter <laughs> is for. But yeah, I think it's funny whenever you hear people say gyro. But yeah, no, the uh, if you ever get a chance, try the domadas. You know, it, there's a lot of different type of um, you know like stylistic grape leaves. But, you know, anytime you go to a Greek fest and they have the grape leaves for the Dolmatas, that's probably my favorite. I did get really sick from them one time in Charleston. But that was user error. My grandma had user them. User error. Yeah, my grandma had, <laughs> had them in the fridge for a while. So mm. I didn't really realize. Don't eat the old ones, but they're great fresh. Yeah. Um, shout out to Claire uh, from Daily Gamecock who wrote this piece. Um, you can check it out on our website. Uh Talks about a chicken souvlaki. Souvlaki. Yeah, souvlaki. yeah delicious. Sounds great. Uh, really cool pictures from Jalen um, of the food. Um, and there's actually a whole gallery that did a lot of pictures for this one. Um, so if you're interested in Greek Fest, um, is this still going on at the moment? Uh, I think it ended. I'm it ended sure. until the Or it might have been just ended. Yeah, it ended earlier this week. Yeah. But um, really encourage anybody to check out kind of these local um, – Yeah cultural events because they're they're really good and we have a couple coming up that we'll talk about later in our fall preview yeah i'm Um, no longer particularly religious but um the greek churches are always so beautiful to me too the the architecture and like it's really stunning that they just like exist in a lot of major cities like yeah it's like a mini taj mahal even though taj mahal is not greek it like kind of looks like it i don't know how else well because it has the the bulbous you know yeah it's just really regal the bulbous that's a good word the bulb on top you know and when you go inside the whole inside of the bulb is the dome is painted so it's always so gorgeous yeah they're really beautiful um, so we encourage everybody to go check out their local Greek Orthodox yeah. church this week. Go, go Greek in people celebration in their churches. Columbia Greek Fest. Yeah. Um, one other cool local story that we have is we had, and this is film related, so you know yeah. we're all over it. Right. Um, even though I didn't get to attend because I did not know this was happening, but I wish I did because I definitely would have gone. Um, famous documentarian Ken Burns, um, famous for Ken Burns' baseball, which is like a um, – 20-hour documentary that he made in the 90s that premiered on TV that was all about the history of baseball and was, like, very, very influential. Um, It was really popular when it came out. He also made, like, a Civil War documentary and a World War II documentary and a Vietnam documentary, all very long, episodic TV things. Um, I definitely think that he's had a big influence on, like, the OJ Made in America ESPN documentary and, like, The Last Dance and a lot of these, like, long-form storytelling documentaries like Ken Burns is definitely yeah, I love those things. a huge inspiration for that trend recently. Like, even stuff like the Woodstock documentary that came out on Netflix, it's, like, four hours long. Yeah. Like, feels, like, very Ken Burns-inspired. But anyways, he had a new Holocaust documentary about America's perspective on the Holocaust, and I believe it's premiering on PBS, uh, or it has premiered on PBS, and 
they actually played it uh, before its release on campus. Um, yeah, we got an early preview of it, and uh, the writer said it was really cool. Um, they learned a lot. I think you know what what one of the main themes of at least the first two episodes is, you know, sort of talking questioning the U.S.'s role in it and maybe lacking role or you know I, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. I need to. I need to. I know a lot about. Ken Burns through cultural osmosis, but right. um, I really need to like sit down and watch the whole baseball documentary because I love baseball. And then he yeah. did like a four-hour follow-up to the twenty-hour one that was in the early two thousands about like because the first one was like early nineties, and then the whole like steroid era and the chase oh, to the yeah. most uh, home runs ever, like Barry Bonds chasing the home run record, and all that happened. So then he kind of made an update on it later about how the game had changed. I think it's called like the tenth inning or something like that. Um, so I definitely need to check those out. Yeah. Fun fact about Ken Burns, which you will love, Stephen. Okay. He made a documentary like this about the Dust Bowl, and Interstellar, all the Dust Bowl footage in the first like twenty minutes is all from that documentary. What? Yeah. So That's Chris, crazy. Christopher Nolan obviously yeah. thought Coaxed. that was a big influence for him on Interstellar. Yeah. So. That's so cool. No, that is really fascinating. I I, I want to watch that. The Dust Bowl is such a a strange like time for the you know america and the midwest to study yeah um yeah that's really interesting i um i, I really want to see this the um this new one i think you know it's it's interesting too because it's like as a journalist like documentaries are like such a beautiful sort of storytelling method and there's so much like lesson in them for all journalists you know when executed really well so i, I really enjoy watching documentaries do you remember my uh, list on Letterboxd I made for you? That was like, or I think I sent it to the Arts Group chat in Slack. Um, but it was like movies or, and documentaries that make me a better journalist. Yeah. And it's oh, yeah. like, it's like um, I put some of them in there that were kind of tongue in cheek, like Oliver Stone's JFK, which is like, <laughs> I rewatched this weekend actually, and is like 90% made up facts. But yeah. it's like, it's the uh, it's the spirit of the characters in it to keep searching for the truth, you know. Yeah. But no, then like love a good journalism movie. But documentaries, I put a lot of them on there because like yeah. you know like Grizzly Man, have you seen that? Mm-hmm. Werner Herzog's Grizzly Man. It's about the guy who like lived with grizzly bears and then what? like eventually got eaten by one because he got a little too close. Um, Timothy Treadwell. But what? that's a that's like an all time documentary and that's just like a also fascinating piece of journalism because you can really analyze the way Herzog made that and how he kind of inserts himself into the story and the ethics of that. I think it'd be really interesting to analyze from a journalistic perspective. Um, yeah. Anyways, shout out I to... I have to watch that. Yeah. Shout out to Catherine uh, who wrote that Yeah, she's story, a new writer. Really, new really uh, good job with that story, Catherine Pruitt. Yeah. So go check it out on our website. And also... Uh, not next week, but the week after, um, we'll be releasing a big print edition. Um, I'll focus around Pride and yeah. uh, LGBTQ events in Columbia. We'll have a guest on for that, uh, Caleb from News, um, to talk all about that once all the stories drop, I believe, on the 5th. Mm-hmm. On the 5th? I think, I, yeah, we're not quite sure how we're going to drop all of them, but they will be either staggered or, or that week they will all be out by yeah. the time we record. So that episode will be coming out on the 7th, so we'll be covering that. So that's kind of a look ahead to that, which I guess leads us into our fall preview. Yeah. What we're looking forward to this fall. I just want to say really quickly, have you seen um, uh, have you seen the documentary um, Man on a Wire? 
Um, I actually have not. I've seen the movie that Zemeckis made about it, which is kind of like yeah. mediocre. It's okay. It's not a bad movie, but the documentary is insane. Like, I can't believe that guy did that. That's one of the most yeah. like unforgettable documentaries, just because this guy is just absurd. I love like, how Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays him in the movie, where like the opening scene is him standing on top of the Statue of Liberty, talking directly into the camera, yeah. and Joseph Gordon-Levitt is doing a weird French accent. He's like, for me, life is to walk on the wire. And it's like the most yeah. overplayed thing of all time. Yeah, it's I incredible. Love, I love Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but I, I don't think that role was for him. Um, I watched, yeah. um, sorry, really quick, no, no. I'll let you finish, yeah, but... Yeah. Zemeckis's Pinocchio came out last week oh, and it's so God. bad and Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays Jiminy Cricket in it what? and it is like a truly insane performance voice performance I'd have no idea what he's going for but yeah, yeah do not watch Zemeckis's Pinocchio I like I said I watched JFK and all three Godfather movies last <laughs> week and all three all four of those movies are three hours or longer and Pinocchio felt like the longest of them by far, and it's only 140 minutes, or it's only what? it's only an hour and 40 minutes. So that's insane. Yeah. Why is Joseph Gordon-Levitt doing Jiminy Cricket? I don't know. He hasn't really did... been in anything lately. Besides, he did Trial of Chicago Seven. And the thing he did before that was like Don John. I don't know. Like that wasn't a bad movie. Yeah, but that that's came out in 2013. Yeah. He just or yeah, he just doesn't. He work did as like much Looper. Anymore. Looper's pretty good. 2012. Damn. Funny that you know that. That's what I'm saying. He really popped like 2008 to like 2013, and then he's kind of just been gone for a while. Yeah, Interstellar. He was not in Interstellar. He was. Oh, he was. Joseph Gordon Levitt. He's like the buddy. He's like his little brother friend. What? He's like little right hand man. Look it up. Yeah, he's he's like the like you know how he goes around recruiting all the guys. He's the only person that he doesn't recruit. Like he's on the jobs with him. You're thinking of Inception. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. All right, I'm just gonna <laughs> yeah, go. see you yeah, guys. Yeah, of course, of course, he's an in Inception. He's the only one that knows the exact weight of that loaded die. Yeah, you know. Yeah, he's exactly. got one of the most iconic lines in a Christopher Nolan movie. <laughs> yeah, he's I'm like, so embarrassed. It is unconstructed like... dream space. Nothing is down there. <laughs> Sorry, Evan quotes that to me. Our friend Evan, who will be on the show at some point. He quotes that to me all the time, and it always makes That's me laugh. That's so funny. <laughs> Wait, when is he saying that? Uh, like when in the movie? Yeah, I don't know. I just think it's hilarious. That's so funny. <laughs> like, he just says it with, like, randomly? Yeah, yeah. That's but it's like so every funny. character in that movie just is spouting all this, like, expositional dialogue <laughs> that really means nothing but yeah. also everything. Like, it's just Christopher Nolan jargon. That's why we love Tenet. Yeah. yeah. Tenet? Tenet is that to the extreme. Beautiful film. Yeah. I still can't convince a lot of people to watch that movie with me. It's good. It gets a bad rap. It doesn't it does. deserve it. We'll do a uh, our first watch along pod. Will be Tenet. Yeah, and we'll do it in great. reverse. We'll play the audio in yeah. reverse. Yeah, yeah, in true Tenet fashion. We'll have Nolan on to talk about it. Yeah, we'll have Nolan on. I um, wonder if he does any podcasts. Uh, he does, but like industry podcasts. Yeah, like he was on a podcast. Like he's been on podcasts talking about his influence for Inception and Interstellar and stuff. I think that's where the Dust Bowl tidbit comes from. Mm. I mean. It's known because obviously the footage is there, but I think he talked about it on the podcast one time. Um, anyways, speaking of movies, we got a lot of movies coming out this fall that mm-hmm. we will be talking about on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kind of want to run down a lot of them with you because I think I think we're gonna have a pretty some pretty meaty discussions yeah. about them. A meaty um, discussion next week too. And I've tried to kind of organize these in order of excitement, at least on my part. Um, so we'll start with uh, 
Damien Chazelle's Babylon, which looks great. If you've seen the trailer for this, it is like Great Gatsby meets Once Upon a Time in Hollywood meets Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, I don't really understand what the the movie is about. So it's this movie stars. Um, I believe the guy's name is uh, Brad Pitt. Well, <laughs> no. It does. It stars. Yes, it stars Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie and Tobey Maguire. But it also stars um, a relatively unknown actor who is credited with the lead role, I believe, even though he's not in the trailer much, which is you know a marketing thing, I think, more than anything else. Diego Calva. Okay, I had that right in my head. I just didn't want to say it and get it wrong. Um, and this is going to be a three-hour epic. Um, according to the logline, says a tale of outsized ambition and outrageous excess, tracing the rise and fall of multiple dreamers during an era of unbridled decadence and depravity in 1920s Hollywood. Okay, yeah, that sounds that pretty That sounds great. like our shit. Yeah. If you watch the trailer, the cinematography is insane. Did you ever watch First Man? Um, I have not, actually. I haven't either. I need to but watch But I love that. La La Land and Whiplash. Whiplash obviously. is one of my favorite movies ever, so... If this has, like, even... I mean, I assume this is going to have the coked-out energy of Whiplash. Yeah. Because apparently the script leaked online, and there's, like, bunch of orgy scenes and everything Whoa. so i have no idea this movie's gonna be all over the place um there's like elephant sex or whatever i don't what? know uh, and there are elephants in the trailer so i'm i tend to believe those leaks um based on the trailer but the opening scene of the trailer is margot robbie snorting cocaine but instead of her snorting cocaine it's the paramount logo and as she snorts the stars disappear <laughs> like she's snorting up the logo it's it's incredible. They should have had the mountain go like, <laughs> like, like a mountain of coke, like it's yeah. Scarface or something. That's so funny. Um, so yeah, I'm expecting this to be probably this is probably the movie I'm most excited for coming out this this fall. Maybe maybe the Fablemans or White Noise rivals it, but Babylon is certainly up there. Yeah, it, what you're predicting that for the 2023 Oscars? Um, I think. Based just based on what the footage we've seen so far, it yeah. seems like such a crazy technical achievement that like it'll get all the nominations. I feel like if it portrays Hollywood in a see, I don't know though, because the movies quote unquote about Hollywood haven't been winning recently at the Oscars. Because yeah. like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood didn't win, <sighs> Roma, Snow. which was about like Snow. the power of cinema, didn't yeah. win. So I don't know. And we have another. We have like eighteen like directors looking back at their at the power of cinema movies this year. And Babylon seems like the wildest. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Because the next movie I want to talk about is The Fablemans, which is Spielberg's... Yeah, he's like their golden little boy. Loving childhood. Rightly so, you know. I mean, did you watch the trailer? It looks amazing. It gave me chills. Yeah. So don't hate. I won't hate. I won't hate. I'm not hating at all. I'm just saying... The Oscars. I'm hitting on the Oscars. Okay. But, you know, if, if Spielberg wins, that's that's a win for him. I'll, I'll let him have it. Spiel, Spielberg is populist entertainment. Spielberg, <laughs> it wins for Spielberg is a win for us all. Yeah. You're right. You're right. The Fablemans look so good. All the actors in the trailer are so compelling. Like, it's such an unforgettable trailer. Really great cut. Paul Dana with big Dilf energy. Oh, I mean, yeah. Of course. Yeah. The... I wouldn't even say he's a dilf. He's like still pretty young in the trailer. Paul Dano having an incredible year. Yeah, he Bat- did. Batman and yeah. now this. Batman. What what other stuff has he been in? Little Miss Sunshine. He's been in. Yeah, the 2006 film, which you are referencing when I said he's had a really great year. Well, I just <laughs> I'm trying to think of like comprehensive Dano. 
You're forgetting his Swiss biggest Army one. Um, there will be blood. Yeah, there yeah. will be blood. Have you heard of that movie? No, I haven't. What's that about? Yeah, he's it's crazy. Pretty, it's crazy that he was such that. a young actor, and he's like, they're like, all right, you get your enemy in this movie is Daniel Day Lewis, and you have to hold your own against him. And he does. And too. he does. Yeah. Oh my God, he does. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. I am a false prophet, and he's God is so a superstition. Yeah, he really holds his own. And, like, that last scene, the milkshake scene, he's great in it. God, I would love to hear him talk about that, like, filming that movie and holding his own against Daniel Day-Lewis. It was Paul. It was the chosen brother. You were just the afterbirth. He slithered out. I wonder um, I wonder if Daniel Day-Lewis is good buddies with him. I think yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis has friends. I hear that, like, I saw, like, some take this for a grain of salt because I saw it on like a Reddit thread but there was like an interview apparently where Daniel Day-Lewis talks about like what kind of like movies and TV show he watches he's like I mostly watch reality TV it's like no (laughs) he's like and most of my free time I spend writing I'm a poet and it's like Daniel Day-Lewis is like just so I feel like so far removed from our idea of what a celebrity is it's like he just does his own thing like he's retired like four times yeah, like, you know what's so great about him is, like, I feel like if you asked, like, like just random people, like, if you went around in the Daily Gamecock newsroom and was, like, asked who Daniel Day-Lewis was, I don't think a lot of people could say. Yeah. I feel like they would know the name, but they just yeah. wouldn't know or, the like, person. They might know him because he's, like, a method actor. But Yeah. No, not really understand him or anything. Which, he was great also in a Spielberg movie, Lincoln. Oh, he was great in that. Yeah. You know, I don't really like that movie that much. Really? I don't hate it. I just like, it's not my favorite. Yeah. It was good. It's just good. It's a good movie. It's good. It's a solid four yeah. out of five. It's it's exactly like West Side Story. Like, good. I enjoy it. Uh, I, you know. Uh, West Side Story is incredible. I'm saying it's good. It's really good. It's really good. But I'm not like dreaming about West uh, about Lincoln at night. No, I'm not dreaming about Lincoln. I dream about West Side Story. Really? Though. Yeah. I like, thought, I think the it's cinematography. Awesome. I mean, that's part of it, but God, that movie is just so incredibly, like, constructed. I just love every second of it. Like, what? Like, what's what's the, the most... Think about, like, the way, like, the dance sequence in okay, the... the dance sequence is good in the gym. In the gym? Yeah. yeah that's just one of the, that's think, the... think about the way the camera moves through that and the way everything is choreographed and just moves, like... Like Everything butter. is just moves on the beat of the shot. I don't know how to describe it. It's just like such fluid, like everything feels like it's meant to be there. Like everything feels so lived in. Uh, the movie just like, it's a cliche, but the movie feels alive. Yeah, you know? it does feel alive. It does so, feel alive. And, you know, the Fableman's Spielberg said it's not going to be his last movie, but it, he said he's not going to retire anytime soon. But he's definitely like, at the stage of his career now where he's looking back and it just seems like such a culmination. Like it, you could feel him saying like, all right, I'm back with West Side Story. Like yeah. I made like the BFG, I made War Horse, you know, I made War Ready. Good. I made BFG. War Horse. War Horse sucks. War, War Horse does not War Horse suck. is bottom tier Spielberg. Yeah. War Horse is bottom tier Spielberg. I enjoyed War Horse more than Lincoln. That is an asinine take. <laughs> Go watch both those movies now. Okay. War Horse is a slog. Anyways. Yeah. I, I have a bad problem of like, I watched all these movies as like, like my two big movie phases were like when I was like 12 and I got really into cinema and then like Avengers 
and like comics took me out of good cinema yeah. and made me like like Josh Whedon type shit. <laughs> and then like, you know, hey, I'll like, take Josh Whedon shit over Russo Bros shit any day. Yeah, you're right. Well, I don't know. I think I think like Buffy is great, like his early stuff, but like the uh, like 2012 Avengers is pretty god awfully bad. Are you kidding? I'm I'm not kidding. That's just a bad take. <laughs> well, if you could say... What this, that movie <laughs> did for the time is incredible. Okay, you're right. No, at the time, I was like, this is the best movie ever. But, like, looking back on it, there's so many flat scenes in it. You know what I mean? Like, when they're on that ship, like, when Hulk is, like, about to get out, like, the, like the tension between Captain America and Tony is, like, so flat. Like, it just feels like someone's, like trying to make a movie no i feel like that movie is a good bridge between a good middle ground between the complete like self-referential snarky weird thing the mcu has become like totally like lifeless it just feels like the only thing that exists in this universe is these characters and like the very earnest like down to earth like not down to earth and the more down to earth than the story than the style, obviously, but like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. Yeah, like the Joss Whedon Avengers feels like kind of the midpoint between those two things, and I feel like it rides a really fine line that makes it good, and then it kind of goes. Yeah, MCU goes extreme the other way. Yeah, they dropped it hot, and never yeah. never returned. That's yeah, a, that is kind of a good point. That's I kind of the last one that like feels that. like its own movie and not like a multiverse or yeah. Not, it doesn't a feel like snippet in a big yeah. It does show. yeah. Yeah. That's the last one before the MCU starts to feel like a TV show. Maybe you could say the Guardians too. Yeah. But other than those, it all starts to feel like a TV show. Ugh. It's so okay, we got to move on. Yeah. We got to move on from no, this. We can't I, talk yeah. about no, this. No, let's not get into the Marvel trap. You know what? While we're on Marvel, let's just yeah. knock this out of the way because it's on the it's on our little budget. Uh-huh. Wakanda Forever. I uh, do think I this looks good. I do think this looks good. You know, the, honestly, Black Panther's really good. You know. Like, I wish that sort of, you know, I wish all these 20 million MCU movies could be channeled into something original. But, you know, Black Panther was pretty original. It's a pretty good movie. Really great acting. You know, I'd say it's one of the stronger Marvel movies. And and if this is anything like Black Panther, I'm sure it'll be good. So I have a lot of problems with the movie Black Panther in that I think the story and the characters are good, but I don't think it's very well constructed just like as its own movie well anything that's marvel you have to put in a different category right right but yeah and i normally don't complain about like special effects and things like that but there's some shit in black panther that is like like what looks unforgivably bad like the entire last 30 minutes yeah like where they have (laughs) yeah even like when they're in like the the whole like um cliffside waterfall thing i think that as an idea is such a fucking cool like visual yeah like area and world to build and it just like it just looks like it doesn't exist yeah, like in it the looks movie. like, like a, a stage or something. yeah it just looks like a stage i'm yeah. like you you have it and you just don't shoot it you just shoot it on a green screen because why <laughs> why yeah. like build that fucking set please <laughs> Um, anyways. That is bizarre that they do stuff like that. Yeah. I guess so they can make revisions later. Right. Well, that's the thing is yeah. they want to be able to fill it all in in post. Yeah. Because they know if they shoot it on a real set, it's going to look better. And it might even be cheaper, but then they can't go back and change it later if the test audience doesn't like it or whatever. Yeah. Which is what they want to be able to do. You right. know? So that's that's why all this shit exists. But 
whatever. That's another question for another day. Neither here nor there. Now, Wakanda Forever, I do, I will say, based on the trailer, looks visually a step up from the first Black Panther. I think it will be. And that gets me excited. And also, the fact that we have no idea what the hell this movie is about. Yeah. Like, oh, I all, love that. That's all, my, that's my all, like, cell point. It's very, the MCU is very formulaic. And with this movie, obviously, we have the tragic passing of Chadwick Boseman. R.I.P. R.I.P. Rest yep. in peace. Wakanda, in Wakanda forever. Here yeah. for him. But I think it's going to have a very interesting effect on the story and the way they do this movie because, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. And they can truly get unconventional with this story now because they don't have their hero. They have to replace him with whatever. And they could really go any direction with it. And this is the first MCU movie in a while where I truly walk into it being like, this could be anything. Yeah. You know, this could be about anyone Do you really think they're going to take that route, though? They'll probably just go conventional. I mean... What did you say? I don't... Or, like, see, half-ass it you think they're just get, middle so you, ground? You think they're just going to be like, oh, well, like, rip Black Panther. We're going to elect a new Black Panther, and she's going to have to... She or he is going to have to fight a bad guy. I thought it was going to be his sister. I thought it had to be. This is a line of succession. I mean, yeah. I mean, in terms of the line of succession, but I'm saying in the way it plays out yeah didn't all the black panther juice get burned too so there could be no more black panthers do you remember that in the first one killmonger like burns that purple tree oh yeah yeah, yeah. so how are they even gonna do that i don't know we'll see well that's what i'm saying they've kind of written themselves and themselves yeah. into a corner because of tragic real world events god that I th- is so sad and i think it will i think it might breed a more interesting narrative yeah within the movie because they have to do something weird if they want it to work. So I'm, I, I think if they, if they, this has like highest floor, lowest ceiling of anything we're going to talk about. Like this could be, this could be a real miss. Like they could really handle it bad and it doesn't work. Or because it's Ryan Coogler and because, yeah. you know, they have to get weird with it. It could really reach a new high that the MCU hasn't really seen. Yeah. And I'm leaning towards the latter. All we can do is hope. Let's and I'm hope. hoping. You know, I have faith in Coogler. Honestly, I've never, like, you know, as a writer, like, obviously I write mostly journalism. You know, I, I, ideally someday I would like to do some sort of creative project or something like that. Um, but I watched this interview with him one time, and he's really, a gr- like, a really great tale of, like, talent and, like, working hard can, you know, like, writing-wise. Like, I think he was saying, like, he bought a Quentin Tarantino film from Blockbuster or something, and he found, like, a DVD that had the screenplay like in it and he it just like he just wrote a screenplay like based on what he saw and then just like kept writing them and then now he's here yeah you know what i mean which is like he was just in college like some random guy like studying like engineering or something like that maybe not i don't know but that's really cool story i relate to that a lot i look up screenplays and read them all the time yeah i'm like how does this shit work how's how's it different from i know there's really an art to it together yeah Speaking of, really quick, I wanted. Uh, have you seen The Five Bloods? Yeah. By Spike Lee? Yeah. Chadwick Boseman, amazing in that. He's he, great in that. That's such a good movie. I love that. You don't like that movie? Uh, nah. It's so cool. I love how it, like, flips the whole, like, like Vietnam film genre on its head. Yeah. You don't think that's cool? I, I think it's cool. I think the, like, the movie definitely has, like, an ending problem. Yeah, no, like, I agree. I think, it's too, like, happy I think, flat. 
Like, not, just everything works out? No, not really. That's not my problem with it. It's Well, like, I just mean, like, it has, like, a literal happy montage at the end. The, the progression of the characters and the situation they end up in just seems a little strange to me. And, like, the movie is very long, and I don't know if it, it justif- justifies its length totally. I think the setup with everything that it's about and them going out there is so good. And then, like, once they're out there, it's a little aimless. I don't know, though. It's been a while since I've watched it. I watched it, like, the week it came out in 2020. So I'd have to rewatch it. But I, I remember mean, I liking it, but not being over the moon. Okay. But, yeah. It's good, it's good. probably my least favorite Spike Lee movie. Yeah. But also, I haven't seen his, like, old boy remake, which I heard is really bad. So. Yeah, I haven't seen that either. With, like, Josh Brolin. <laughs> no, well, I'll have to watch it. I mean, People, MCU fans always joke about that movie because Josh Brolin and Elizabeth Olsen have sex in it. And then he, like, does the whole thing in Avengers where he's playing Thanos and he, like, tortures her or whatever. And he's like, I don't even know who you are. You're like, <laughs> you literally banged in a movie, like, five years ago. That's so funny. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways. Uh, next up on our list of previews. I, you, we kind of hinted at this last week at the end of the episode. I don't even know if it actually made it into our final cut, but uh, Avatar 2. That's coming out this weekend? No, this year. When? December. Oh, but like tickets, I think, go on pre-sale this weekend. I saw a notification. No, they're Regal. re-releasing the first one this weekend. Oh, oh. I, yeah. was, like, I, was, I was like, why is Regal p- sending me push notifications to buy tickets yeah. for Avatar? Avatar 2. I know you said you're not excited about this. I'm not excited about it. But you just, you can't, you can't. It just it. looks so, I'm just like, I don't know. I guess I just get a little turned off by the like, I don't know, just like world building right now is a little bit of a turn off for me. Like, like we just have so many franchises. Yeah, but like, think about how incredible James Cameron world building is compared to Kevin Feige world building. I guess. Like world yeah, building is cool, cool if you do it right. It's cool, but I just, I have not, I also feel like I have like a, I don't know. I have like a um, a ref- reformative tendency from my childhood. Like, I just wish in my childhood I'd read more like nonfiction and watched like good movies. Like, I just feel like I watched such crap my whole childhood and like only read like dragon books and like <laughs> fantasy that I like wish I had like. I don't know. Like right now, I I, I just really like, like. I should have been reading Don DeLillo novels when yeah. I was eight. God damn it! Like why why I sh- instead of Harry Potter, I should have been reading like I don't know something more interesting and sustaining for my mind. I don't know. But so, like, now when I think, like, franchises, I just think, like, come on, like, mentally I need to challenge myself better. Like, I need to I need to watch Crimes of the Future by David Cronenberg. Yeah, when you're <laughs> seven years old. Yeah. Yeah. Surgery is the new sex. What does right. that mean? <laughs> yeah, as a seven-year-old, I should have been watching that. Yeah. Well, too bad it wasn't released. Yeah. I should have been watching, like, The Fly or something. <laughs> or, like, that would scar a seven-year-old so yeah. bad. Yeah. Yeah. Although I, I will say there is something magical about like being like seven, eight, nine and watching a really fucked up horror movie and like having that just live in your brain for like a year. No, it's true. Yeah. yeah. That's a special time. It is a special time. You know the movie The Labyrinth with David yeah. Bowie? Yeah. That's not even that scary of a movie and that really fucked me up as a yeah. child. Like I could not sleep for probably two years. I, I'm very adamant whenever people ask me and that I don't want to have kids. But if I do have kids, I think the most joyous thing I will have is, like, <laughs> showing them scary movies when they're little and having them be no, scared. No, this movie's not scary. Let's yeah. go watch it. Yeah, exactly. The Shining? Hey, get ready for The Shining. Let's do it. 
Yeah. I see. I genuinely wish I'd seen The Shining as a child, though. Yeah, like, me too. It would have, like, normalized. Like, I don't know. I think I, I think it would have really horror. expanded your imagination. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 Expand my imagination. <laughs> yeah. No, it would have. It would have. Well, and, like, I don't know. Like, I, I kind of feel like I just, I just watched, like, so much junk. Think about, like, the way, like, The Shining, like, the hotel is, like, so mysterious and, like, it's the crazy layout and everything and all yeah. the rooms look so different. Like, you're, as, like, a kid, your mind would just fill in all these crazy scenarios and all throughout the hotel, you know? Yeah. Like, you would just, the possibilities would seem endless. Yeah. And the creepiness of it would only add to your curiosity. Yeah, that's such a good point. So, anyways, my point yeah. about this with Avatar is that it kind of feels the same thing where it's, like, Nothing these days has the kind of scope that these Avatar films do. Like, if you watch the trailer for Avatar The Way of Water, the world that you're looking at just seems infinite. Like, it yeah, seems like there's true. just so much going on. Whereas if you watch a Marvel, a DC, a Star Wars movie that's coming out now, and they just, the world's just like, for how much they're trying to do in the movie, they just feel really small for some reason. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like I could, you know, go there and explore for hours and days and years you know getting lost in this crazy thing that they've created avatar feels that way to me yeah it's true at least from the trailer and that's why i'm excited to rewatch the first one because that it just seems so big you know yeah that's a good point no you're right you know i think it's just the cgi has like i don't know it's not it's not good of me but it like the blue people has just such a like connotation in my head like i've seen so many like memes and stuff too yeah but i guess i guess you know, I, I am, I, I will see it, you know, and I did really like, I really liked that actor, you know, he's a really good actor. Sam Worthington? Yeah, he's great. He's been, like, in, like, nothing since the first Yeah, he Avatar. was in, like, Terminator and in, um, was he in Terminator? He was in, like, one of the Terminator movies. Maybe, I'm not sure. He was in some, like, action movie I haven't like seen that. any of the sequels past, uh, two. Yeah. Well, he was, like, in some action movie and he was in Avatar and that's all he was ever in it, like, in... At all. I don't even remember. Yeah. I don't know. Everybody on Twitter is like, Avatar is the one movie that you should actually watch in 3D. <laughs> Everything else is not better it's in true. 3D except for Avatar. It's true. Um, so I'm well, Okay. How, what is your response, though? You know, I, as much as I, I agree with what you're saying, like, couldn't the argument be made that Avatar is just another franchise that will ultimately result in the death of, like, good movies? Like, they have a theme park. It has a theme park. Yeah. What about the theme park role? Uh, I don't really. Is I guess the difference is like role? Harry Potter movies. But like Indiana Jones has like theme park rides, yeah. doesn't it? Like, I guess. I, I don't. Guess th- I don't right. think. I don't think theme parks are a hard fast. I feel like Harry Potter was like the last good franchise. Not even that those movies are that good, but like Prisoner of Azkaban, like what is it, Alfonso Cuarón, like Caron, you know, yeah. Caron, like there's some good, you know, good cinema there at yeah. least. I mean, John Williams' score in yeah, the first three. Yeah, exactly. Um, I do think Deathly Hallows Part 1 is, like, a legitimately, like, good movie outside of just, like, yeah. it's an interesting Harry Potter movie. I No, I agree. It, like, really, like, there's such a color and a world to it that, you know, yeah. it's really good. There's um, just no color or world to a lot of the big franchises now. Yeah. So, like, if they do that, then it's still interesting. Because, honestly, those are the types of movies that keep theaters open. Yeah, but, like, it's true. If they... It's the problem is when they just like dumb it down and make people accept these things not based on any character stakes yeah. and just are like remember this thing from the past that you love it's back you know <laughs> that's when it becomes cheapened and yeah. not good for movie going yeah 
So, I don't know. All right, we'll I will, I'll withhold judgment. At least Avatar is made by, like, an auteur with a vision. Yeah, you know? you're right, you're right. So, James Cameron, he got, he famously, like, one of the biggest Oscar episodes of the last 20 years is when he lost Best Director for Av- in Picture for Avatar to his ex-wife, Catherine Bigelow, for The Hurt Locker. What? Her yeah. Locker's pretty good. Yeah. I would but say that, Locker's better than Avatar. I would say so, too. Yeah. But that's what won that year, and they were, like, the two <laughs> biggest contenders, and he lost to his that's ex-wife. So, oh, that's kind of sting. Yeah, right. Well, I'm not going to say poor guy, because Hurt Locker deserved it. Now, that's and, a great And movie. Avatar made $3 billion. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. But I'm just saying, don't underestimate Avatar 2 at the Oscars if it's really good, because James Cameron's not just come back for 30%. He's coming <laughs> back for it all. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. Um, have you seen the trailer for Armageddon Time? No. This is the new James Gray film. Okay. Who made The Last City, The Lost City of Z. Oh yeah. And Ad Astra. Okay. Both of those are really good. To, uh, I need to watch, rewatch Ad Astra because I didn't like it when I first watched it, but then I watched The Lost City of Z and thought it was like a masterpiece. So maybe yeah, The Lost I'll... City of Z is great. Yeah. Robert Pattinson's getting that really good in that movie, too. Oh, he's too. great. He's got a great little side character. It's one of the few good Charlie Hunnam performances. Yeah. yeah. You don't like him? Yeah. But he's yeah, really he's great fine. in that he's movie. Just like, he's like Sam Worthington. Like he's yeah, just like he's an just, action he's, guy. He's a guy, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah he he's... probably would like be so... like upset him and Sam Worthington if they heard us say that. <laughs> would they be like, upset? Really, I don't think they would care. What's the most like insulting thing you can say is just like you're just a guy. Like yeah. I don't even dislike you. You're just you're, you're just a guy. guy. Yeah. Um I don't think they would be upset about us two assholes doing a little podcast. He's pretty good in um that uh Guy Ritchie movie. Yeah. He's a big Guy Ritchie yeah. dude. I, I like that. But I think Lost City Z is probably the best thing I've seen him in. Yeah. Um so I agree. Also, young Tom Holland is in that movie. Yeah, I say young. It, it came out the same year as Spider-Man: Homecoming, which is weird. But that is so weird. Boy, yeah. I didn't realize that. He's good in that too. He's a good actor. Yeah, Tom Holland. You That's know, what I'm I'll saying. It, I'll the, say it. The He's best. The best part of Spider-Man: No Way Home is that, dis- like, despite all the multiverse bullshit, they let. Tom Holland and Willem Dafoe actually act against each other yeah. for like a couple scenes, and that shit's really good when they're just like having an argument. Yeah, and then it's like superhero explosions, but like <laughs> when they just get to act against each other with yeah. their faces and not superhero costumes, it's yeah. good. Yeah, uh, arguably one of the reasons that movie is so good. Yeah, right. And the and and the Spider-Man trilogy is not like complete Marvel fodder. You know what I mean? But yeah. Anyways, James Gray. All right. Uh, you know, no, I'm excited for it. Let's. What is it about? Um, so again, this is following kind of a trend that you'll see here. This is about his childhood. Okay. It's about his. This is the year of reflection. Yeah, this is the year of reflection, and it's about growing up in Queens in the '80s, I think. Okay. Um, and the trailer, I has me sl- just slightly worried because it's very like laying it on thick with like the oh, social commentary, where it's yeah. like he's like, oh, like. They, I'm Jewish and I live in the Queens, but like they won't let me be friends with the black kids at school. And it like feels like a little bit like a white director making his like "Don't worry, I'm an ally" movie. Yeah. But I think that's just like marketing. Yeah. I think I think that James Gray is it. I have not seen a movie of his I don't like. Yeah. So I think he's smart enough to get it right and okay. find the right tone. I just think the marketing was like they they pulled the the clips from the movie that made it seem the most like preachy just because it'll like probably it'll get like the dumb boomers to go see it mm-hmm. they'll be like oh yeah this movie it's got a good message you know <laughs> yeah. um 
but I think it'll be great. And like an '80s recreation of Queens, like yeah, that's fun. Sign me up. That sounds cool. Yeah, I'm watching. Anthony Hopkins is in it. Whoa. Anne Hathaway. Um. So good that cast. Sounds good. Yeah. Why is it oh, um, your boy from uh, Succession is in it. Jeremy Strong. Yeah. I love him. I'm yeah. in. I'm watching. He kind of looks uh kind of silly with all the makeup and hair in the trailer. He plays um Abby Hoffman. Right, right, right. Or no, he doesn't. He plays Abby Hoffman's buddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, that movie is so bad. Or not so bad. It's just mediocre. Yeah, it just doesn't... It feels like... Uh, Dude, yeah. I, I remember I sent you... There was, like, the One Perfect Shot Twitter account that sent a... And it was a shot from uh, Trial of Chicago 7. Or no, it was that Netflix, like, or HBO series or whatever that was, like, analyzing movies. One Perfect Shot. This episode, Aaron Sorkin on Trial of Chicago 7. And it was, like the most cluttered, crazy fucking shot of all time. And it was like, one perfect shot. And I sent it to you and was like, bro, lol. And you were like, what? What's wrong with it? I like that movie. And I was like, dude, are you kidding me? This you movie know, is I all over like the that place. Movie. I'm going to say it. It's not a great movie. I wrote a positive review for it. Like, it's not Daily a bad Talk. movie. Like, it's not great. And like, Eddie Redmayne's like a joke in it. But... So... I wrote a review for it that was like a B plus for Daily Game yeah, Talk when I, it came I'd out. Yeah, I agree with that. B plus, and maybe not even plus, maybe I w- B minus. I would, I would give it like a C plus, B minus. Now, the reason yeah. I think I gave it such a high score when it came out is because that was like the first real movie that came out during the pandemic. Yeah. So I think I was just like starving yeah. for anything. I was just like, finally <laughs> something. I, it was like if you like fed like somebody who hasn't eaten for like three weeks like a bowl of like worms yeah. be, like, they would love it but only because they haven't eaten anything in three weeks yeah. you know yeah um anyways i would ne- agree with that next on our list uh white noise oh, which we've talked about so a little excited. bit noah bomback directed and written it's gonna be great starring adam driver greta gerwig don Cheadle. you had me at noah bomback so. yeah and it's based on as F- i mentioned earlier uh, in a joke don delillo his novel, yeah, um, White Noise, which I've read about thirty percent of. I think Max has read the whole thing. Um, former guest. I didn't know Max could read. <laughs> yeah, he reads a lot. Really? Uh, I think so. I think I, he just reads more than me, so I think he reads yeah, a lot. How much do you um, read? Not much. <laughs> like what? Like how how many times a week? Mm, two or three. Two or three times a week. Yeah, I'm reading Heat two right now. I just started it today. Oh yeah, what do you think? Pretty good so far. Better than Godfather, Heat or Godfather or Goodfellas. Uh, the movie? Isn't that what you asked Max? In the I asked Max, well, we had watched Heat and The Godfather, and he saw both for the first time last week, and I said, which How one did you like he more? seen The Godfather? And he said Godfather was better, but Heat is more rewatchable. I would agree with that. And yeah. I would agree with that. You've seen Heat, right? Uh, I don't think I've ever seen it all the way through. Okay. You I, really think I, know, I think I've only had the osmosis of it, actually. Yeah, you definitely need to watch all of Heat, because Heat is, like, okay. a masterpiece. Some some my top ten all time, you know? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. Anyways, Don DeLillo, White Noise. We're excited. I really, I do really want to read the Don DeLillo novel, Libra. It's a fictional, like, backstory about Lee Harvey Oswald. Oh. And it's like, a, it's like a fictional recreation of the, like... Kennedy assassination conspiracy. People love that stuff, though. Yeah, I like, do love that stuff. I, I just, I, I said I earlier, I watched, that. I rewatched JFK, which is basically a fictional account of the assassination. Did you ever see that show with James Franco that's like about the JFK assassination? And he like gets sent back in time to save JFK. <laughs> and he does. Really that sounds show. insane. It was pretty good. It's just kind of like a one off series. It's yeah. not bad. It's not good, but it's not bad at all. He'll never live up to Kevin Costner's Jim Garrison. No. Incredible performance. Next on my list, 
Uh, we will probably review this in about two weeks. Uh, Blonde is coming out. We don't really have to talk about it because it's coming out so soon. And because we're so excited about it. And just we're so excited. A plus. Just any, looking any, forward to it. <laughs> it's so, there's so much controversy about it. Well, I don't understand right why now. it's so controversial. Because it's like, it's a fictional account of a real person that's dead. But isn't it based on a book? That it's like based on is, a fictional book, yeah. But that is like highly based in like interpretations of like things she wrote, like uh, kind of. But it's like the book is the novel. It's based on is just that. It's a novel. Yeah. So it's all like made up stuff about Marilyn Monroe. It's totally fiction. Pretty much, yeah. Of uh, but it, there is like anything they say about her life is real that they know. No. Like they just make up. Yeah. Like, she's just a total character in another Marilyn Monroe verse? I mean, kind of, yeah. Like, what about her parents? Like, they, they didn't, did they base I mean, they, reality? like, her parents, probably they keep the names, but I'm sure that the people depicted in the movie, if they are depicted in the movie, are different, act oh. differently than her parents in real life. Interesting. You know? Interesting. But What that, is the point of making this movie? It just, it's like... Well, the, the idea, see, this kind of goes back to what I was just talking about with JFK, uh-huh. is as... A filmmaker as an artist, you are trying to tell a story. And, the, like, for example, the social network, not 90% of the stuff on the social network about Mark Zuckerberg is completely made up. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but it's altering the facts and telling the story that you want to tell to uncover some kind of deeper truth or meaning. Yeah. You know? I see. And it's, and it makes for more compelling drama, frankly. You yeah. Know? And I think this movie does a lot of that. And it's also, like, apparently, it's, it's NC 17. It's got some really sicko shit from what I've heard on Oh, I didn't know that. the on Twitter. What, which like what? Like POV shots of a CGI fetus and things like that and like I don't know. It's like I've heard it's like borderline like David Lynch enter the void Gaspar Noé shit, you know? It's <laughs> okay. Like it's tr- truly out there. And like wow. some people have said it's like almost like it's beyond parody. But like wow. all this stuff makes me think it's like, I could give this movie a half a star or a five star. I have no <laughs> idea. Like, right now, based yeah. on what people are saying about it. But just because of how weird and out there it sounds, it has me very excited. Yeah. Because I, I just know I will have seen nothing like it. I just read about the the book. I didn't know. I didn't hear. I haven't heard any about this controversy in the book. Like, I, I read it like a, it was like a profile on the author of the book. And it was like, it was interesting. Yeah. But So, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm compelled. Yeah. I mean. When does it come out? Netflix on the 28th. Interesting. So it's a, a Netflix f- original? A week from today, yeah. A week from today? Yeah. Well, I know what, what day is. It's a, so Wednesday. Yeah. Oh, if only it came out. Why don't we record on Thursday next week? So. <laughs> Noah's editing crunch. I just got just got tight, I guess. All right, maybe. We'll talk about okay. it. We'll or talk we about could just watch air. it in the morning. A wake up. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's three hours long. Why don't we live watch it? Why don't we watch it? It's NC-17, so it's perfect for us to live watch. <laughs> we could. Well, I don't think it's going to be that bad if it's on Netflix. We'll have a we'll have a production meeting about this. Like, does Netflix really have, like, does it have standards? Like, does it have, like... No, they don't have content standards. They can put whatever they I've want on I've never seen anything, like, controversial or, like, in any way graphic on there. What? There's graphic like, shit on what? Netflix. What are you talking about? Like, they would put a Gaspar Noah film on there. Yeah, dude, blue is the warmest color was on there for the longest time. Oh, well, I didn't know that. Yeah, Netflix doesn't. Did you watch it. that movie? No, I just I know. Want to watch I just it. No, I've heard it. it's really good. Yeah, I've heard it's really good. I like Leia Sado. Yeah, we'll go through a couple more really quick here. Um, 
Triangle of Sadness, which is the new um, film by the guy who made Force Majeure, uh, the movie, like, the comedy, drama, dark comedy about, like, the guy who leaves his wife and kids behind when an avalanche almost hits them, and then, like, they survive, and then they, like, almost get divorced or whatever. Oh, yeah, like, I like that movie. Yeah, yeah. That was good. Um, Will Ferrell, right? No, that's the shitty American remake. Oh, okay. It's a French movie. Well, I like the shitty American remake, and okay. I'm showing my, my poor taste. Um, but anyways, um, he made a new movie called Triangle of Sadness, which is apparently very weird. Yeah, um, I'm looking at images of it. Woody Harrelson, though, I'm sorry. Yeah. So, oh, the one of the like breakout actresses from it... Um, died recently wow and she's she was only like in her 20s and she just like died in her sleep like randomly oh like my probably God. like an aneurysm or something like a couple weeks ago um so that's really tragic because apparently she was incredible in this movie and it was kind of gonna kind of be her breakout that is so um, sad i forget what her name is i'll have to look it up we'll mention it when we yeah if we see the movie and talk about it here um there's an all quiet on the western front remake oh coming out cool from I think it's made in Germany. Um, How many of I mean, those that do we make need? Sense. Have they remade All Quiet on the Western Front before? I don't know. Maybe, but the, it's a Netflix movie. But it is foreign made, so it's going to be okay. competing in best international foreign film. Okay. Um, best international that foreign that's redundant. <laughs> best international film at the Oscars. Um, yeah. So I watched the trailer. I don't know how good the movie will be, but looks cool the yeah. it looks pretty stunning like the filmmaking in it looks pretty incredible very like i this is a good comparison because of the way it looks but also because the world war one film gave me a lot of like paths of glory vibes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um much more so than like a 1917 which yeah. in my my book is a good thing yeah yeah i know your take on 1917 yeah feels like a video game yeah yeah paths <laughs> of glory is pretty good um i think i need to rewatch that movie New Luca Guadagnino film, Bones and All. It's about cannibals. Oh, I did, Starring I did Timothy Chalamet. That. Yeah. Interesting. That's the guy who made uh, Call Me By Your Name, which a uh, weird coincidence because yeah. that movie stars Army Hammer and Army Hammer is a cannibal. So, that is interesting. <laughs> uh, maybe they had some interesting conversations on that set. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and what then, is this movie, like, what to what extent are we talking cannibals here? Uh, from the early festival reactions, pretty intense. Gosh. So. Love blossoms between a young woman on the margins of society and a disenfranchised drifter as they embark on an odyssey through the back roads of America. All roads lead back to their terrifying pasts and a final stand that will determine whether their love can survive their differences. All I heard from a reviewer was, do you want to see Timothy Chalamet literally eat people? If so, this is the movie for you. So I My, think there's some... Really good cast. Michael Stolberg, Mark Rylance, those yeah. two guys. Stolbard, yeah. I love him yeah. from uh, A Serious Man. Yeah, Great Coen exactly. Brothers movie. Yeah, love love Stolberg. Um, so that's kind of it for our list of movies that we're looking forward to. We did mention some last week, like Banshees of Inisherin and stuff um, that I just didn't want us to like totally repeat. But yeah, it's a lot of good stuff um, coming out this fall. So I think we'll be talking about you know as many of those as we can on the podcast. Uh, TV-wise, really quick, uh, Andor just dropped today, and I think we'll cover that towards the end of the season. Yeah. I think we'll definitely be keeping a close eye on that because it's made by Tony Gilroy, who made, like, Michael Clayton and everything. Oh, I love that movie. Um, yeah, so we'll keep an eye on that because um, I've heard really great things about it. And then The Midnight Club, um, which is the new Mike Flanagan Netflix show. He made, like, Haunting of Hill House and oh, yeah. uh, Doctor Sleep and Midnight Mass. 
Um, so I've never really watched any of his stuff, but I've heard great things. And from what I've you heard, you should watch Haunting of Hill House. It's really good. Yeah, it's and this really kind of looks. This looks like a more like, kind of, like a teenager like slasher type thing with like mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of a darker, weirder side. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Well, I'm sold on all of these movies except for maybe the Timothy Chalamet one. You're not a cannibal guy. Uh, I don't know. I'll probably watch it. I'm I'm really excited for that Armageddon time actually. Yeah. That seems really cool. I'm really looking forward to um to Babylon now too. That looks cool. Um and Squid and the Whale I'm still looking forward to. We talked about that a lot. <laughs> you mean white noise? Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Sorry. The whale, just called the whale. Oh, the whale. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting my. I was gonna say the mixed. squid and the whale is a Noah Baumbach yeah. movie. Yeah, <laughs> good movie. Not the no squid. Excuse me, just yeah. whale. The whale, the Brendan Fraser movie, yeah. should be great. When does that come out? I don't know. When can I get my hands on? We that? don't even have a trailer for that yet. Yeah, I um, thought I thought they already like showed it though. They they did. It's it, out. It premiered at Venice, I think. Yeah. yeah. So it's coming. We just don't have a trailer, so yeah. we don't know. It's got to be like December. Probably December. Yeah. Um, Very excited for that actually. Yeah, there's other movies like The Menu, which I kind of heard bad things about from festivals. Um, yeah. So I've been trying to keep up on the circuit. You know, a good year, saying, though, I think. I, I think stronger than 2021. I don't know, We'll though. see what the movies turn out. I think out. the top of 2021 is better, but 2022 Coda? is deeper. Yeah. Like Coda? No, no, not, not Coda. Like Licorice Pizza, The Last Duel, Dune. West Side Story. See, Dune's another franchise movie, so it doesn't count. But Although it's beautiful, Dude, I love Dune, it. Dune is not like Last just Duel another franchise movie. Was okay. That's exactly Last what I'm talking about <laughs> with Avatar. Last Duel was good. Uh, I wouldn't say, you know, it's no like Squid and the Whale. It's no, you know, it's no, uh, it's no Blue Velvet. You know, it's no. Okay, Mulholland well, Drive. I didn't say it's as good as Blue Velvet. <laughs> You know, um, uh, the last duel is pretty great. I think. I think it's fun. I think it's a very fun movie. What the last duel is not fun. <laughs> like that I'm is sorry. A, that is an asinine thing to say I about think the last. It's duel. a very creative movie. I like how it cuts and speaks on something very like dark and and meaningful in like sort of a, a, a creative and unique way. It's not every day that it's a movie split in, in perfect perspectives. Um, okay, let me let me put it this way. Here's my top 10 2021. Okay, okay? let's hear it. Uh, number 10, The Lost Daughter. Number, I didn't see that. Number movie. 9, The Worst Person in the World. Okay, that's number 9? Yeah. That's better than The Last Duel. That mm. movie was so good. I mean, I do love it, but I don't like okay. it better than The Last Duel. Go on. Number 8, No Time to Die. Okay. Number I 7, think... Red Rocket. This I is where we're that. getting into true, like, I okay. fucking love these movies okay. area. Seven, Red Rocket. Six, West Side Story. Five, Dune. Four, Last Duel. The next two, I don't know if they count as movies. Three is Bo Burnham Inside. Okay. Two is The Beatles Get Back documentary. Okay. Number one, Licorice Pizza. I would say I would say probably Licorice Pizza, Worst Person in the World, and then maybe... I don't think anything this year in 2022 has even been better than Red Rocket, which was my number seven of last year. I need to watch Red Rocket. I think 2021 put, put that at the top was better so far. But keep in mind, there's a lot of stuff coming out. And, like, the things I was most excited for to come out this year got pushed to next year. Like, um, Killers of the Flower Moon and stuff. So, yeah. like... Oh, yeah, that movie will be good. I'm really excited about that movie. Um, also, just really quick before we go, um, 
we're going to be covering a couple other local things like um, Rosewood Art and Music Festival coming soon. Mm -hmm. The State Fair Student Day for any students that have listened this far. Um, You know, there's always some really great programming with the theater department. Midsummer's Night's Dream will be doing an open air rendition. I'll probably go to that. You know, I, I, I even though student theater it can be amateur you know i think it's fun it's a fun thing to go to you know one of the guys in my class in one of my screenwriting classes um is in that it's a good way of like you know exploring like you know like you were talking about screenplay writing like that's how i think about it when i watch something like that like it's interesting to see you know what you do with the text how you execute it and i like the simplicity of theater too i think it's kind of cool especially from like a you know like a filming like a cinema sense like you know what someone can do with so with nothing really. It's right. cool. Like I, this is I'm going to go on a tangent about this, but I, I saw Alec Baldwin. I think Alec Baldwin's a really great actor, and I, I think he perfectly exemplifies like doing something. You're not allowed like to nothing. talk about him in the media. He retired from public life. <laughs> oh, you're right. But I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> he has this like bit he does about like his hands in a Seinfeld like comedians in cars line, and it's really good. It always makes me think about that. But we should his, wrap up. Alec Baldwin's greatest comedic comedic bit is in The Departed when he goes he's like you know what helps you get pussy is having a ring on your finger cause then girls know either A you got money or B your cack still works <laughs> and I, then I, and then he goes he goes does your cack still work and then Matt Damon goes oh it's working overtime <laughs> <laughs> Matt Damon's such a loser in that movie oh but he's awesome I Matt like, Damon playing a shithead is the best yeah that's true I like I like my favorite Alec Baldwin line in that movie is he's like Let's go for a smoke. You smoke? Nah, you're one of them health nuts or something. It's like, you're one of them health freaks. I, I love when he gets mad at the guy and at the when they mess up the cameras. Yeah. And the guy, like, yells back at me. He's like, what do you think this is, NASA? <laughs> and he goes back and forth with Wahlberg. And it's, it's like, how's your mother doing? Good. She's time for fucking my father. <laughs> Uh, we could just do departed <laughs> quotes all day. That could be a podcast. That's probably the most. That's one of the most quotable movies yeah. of all time. We're, we're at like peak two white guys having a podcast. Yeah. Right now. Did you see on Twitter? I retweeted. There's a account yeah, that yeah. does every Goodfellas second, and today they posted like a second from the uh, bar scene when they beat up uh, Billy Bats. And I love De Niro's line readings in that scene. Every De Niro line reading in Goodfellas is great, but he goes like. He was not, not, now you sold him a little bit. And he does like the finger thing. And then like next he's like, the guy's arguing with him. He goes, nah, nah, Billy, Billy, the drinks are on the house. <laughs> and the way he says the house every time it cracks me up. Anyways. I have to follow that account. Yeah, it's good. Drinks are on the house. Um, okay, we really got to go now because Steven's got a Daily Gamecock yeah. meeting. Goodbye, friends. It's yeah. nice talking to you. We'll come back. At you next week, we'll be talking. Finally, we've been building up to it for like three weeks now. Finally, we'll be talking about Don't Worry, Darling, because it comes out, and we'll both be seeing it this weekend. Don't worry. Yeah. We'll be watching Don't Worry. And also, we'll try to fit in Confess Fletch as well. Yeah. Um, Love John Hamm. Love Fletch. Because we're both Kyle MacLachlan. We're both Fletch fans. We're both John Hamm fans, and we're both Kyle MacLachlan fans. Yeah. Honestly, John Hamm and Kyle MacLachlan probably two of the people that come up the most on this podcast in terms of things we talk about. Why why did this whole episode not be the Confess Fletch? So we gotta do a deep dive on Confess Fletch. Yeah. Maybe we'll make our guest watch it depending on who it is. Yeah. (laughs) That'll be good. Don't worry, darling, and Confess Fletch. That'll be a good double feature. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, After that, we'll have Prince Edition uh, Pride. 
And we'll also be doing a throwback review of the movie Moonstruck because, yeah. weirdly, uh, Stephen and our guest that week, Caleb, have both watched it recently. Right. It was. Um, um, it's a great movie. Nick Cage. Yeah. It's all, you know, it's a beautiful movie. We'll you talk know, about it. You know, he's Coppola's nephew. Really? Yeah, his name's Nick Coppola, but he changed it to Nick Cage because he didn't want, to, want nepotism in the film industry. I didn't know that. And then the week after that, so three weeks from now, um, that'll be our first, uh, hopefully, don't want to promise too much, but our first big guest of the semester, yeah. which we've also been building up to. Yeah, but we won't tell you who they are we yet. We finally have it on the schedule. So Yeah. Big time. Thank you all for listening. This podcast is hosted by Noah Trainer and Stephen Pastis, produced by Noah Trainer. Uh, intro music by Stephen Pastis and Bryson Carroll, created by Michael Sauls.